The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. The transfiguration of our Lord. At first, only three hand-picked apostles saw it, heard it. But now it is said, all peoples see his glory. And you too must cry, tis good, Lord, to be here. For the word which you are given this day is not about some awesome experience that a privileged inner circle had a long, long time ago. This word is precisely about what you have now in Jesus. It's not like looking at someone else's photos. No one wants to watch the videotape of you opening Christmas gifts in 1982. And let's get real. No one wants to watch Simon watching Jesus either. I do want to see Simon and have him give me the kiss of peace. But most of all, I want what Simon saw. Well, God shines forth, and not just then, but now, for you. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. Another John would see him looking like that again in exile on Patmos, no less, clothed with a long robe, a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head like wool, white as snow, eyes like flames of fire, 
face shining like the sun in full force. Welcome to your Jesus, the one who died for you, who lives for you, who is here for you, the one with scars in his hands for you, holy wounds, about which he says, touch and see. Peter and John and James had not seen Jesus like this before. They would not see him like this as he takes them up another mountain called Olivet, where his sweat falls to the ground like great drops of blood. No transfiguration then. No transfiguration on a mount called Golgotha either, when God turns the lights completely out on his Son, though he is the same beloved. Peter, as you heard, did not know what to say, for he was shocked. This was not the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And yet at the same time, Peter didn't want to leave. Master, it is good that we are here. He knew good when he saw it. He was terrified, but he didn't want to leave. He was shocked, but he knew he couldn't leave. When Jesus once filled his boat with fish, he fell prostrate and cried, Master, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Here he saw something far more incredible than a boatload of fish. But he said nothing of the sort. Master, it is good that we are here. Why the difference? Isn't it because he had come to know that even in his sin, he was safe with him. Jesus was transfigured before him, not to jolt him, but to confirm the meaning of life with him, the forgiveness of sins with him. It was good to be in the presence of the perfection of beauty. Some time back, a popular song asked, Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? Peter didn't know what to say, but he knew he didn't want to leave. That's what the Spirit does once we've been living with Jesus. There's more than we can now feel. No eye has seen, no ear heard, no heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine. For there is nothing in our experience that can fully prepare us for the day when we shall see Jesus like this. Peter wasn't prepared, but he knew that it was good. Good to be with this Jesus, no less than the one he had otherwise come to know. Your life is filled with heartache and sorrow, with nonsense and stubbornness 
and things that you can repeat to no one, things that are known only to God. But your Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him, doesn't make you quiver in some corner or grovel in the dust. He takes you into the cloud and lets you see him. And though terrified, enjoy every minute of it. For with the glory, there is love. There is power and there is beauty that is entirely out of our league. And yet we say it is good, so good, that we will never tire of it for all eternity. Never tire of him who never tires of us. Our Lord knew that the day would soon come when he would wrest Simon from his sleep and lament, Could you not watch with me one hour? Our Lord knew that before the cock crowed twice, Simon would deny him thrice. But he took him into the cloud anyway. Your Jesus is like that. There are things beyond your strength, things for which you have no strength, things you've been trying to beat and battle away. But here the Spirit teaches you to say, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Here the Spirit teaches you to say, He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. He who says, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, overcome it by the cross, by what is put into your hand and raised to your mouth. This is transfiguration for you. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. What does that mean? It means that here your communion is not with Jesus only. It's with Moses and Elijah too. It's with your loved ones who are now in glory, who behold the radiance of the Lord. I commune here with my mother and father, my Aunt Mona and my Uncle Bill, my kindergarten teacher, Viola Ehler, who taught me to sing day by day, at home, away, Jesus is my staff and stay. They are talking with Jesus. Your loved ones in Christ are talking with Jesus, and for that we say, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here." And what are they talking about? If they loved you once, in Christ, they still do. Once they didn't always know how to pray as they ought. They were often left with sighs too deep for words. But now they have the words about their and Jesus' love of you. And so, as Paul says, we do not lose heart. 
not when we can come here and join that communion where God himself hems you in behind and before and lays his hand upon you. The place where God lets you see the beauty that is Christ for you. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.